0: Amen. So um, so this morning, we want to continue our um, and kind of bring to a conclusion our theme of messages that we've had this month and have entitled it that time of year, that time of year. We've all heard the saying again, you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year right? And talking about, you know, the snowflakes and the Christmas trees and the Christmas carols and the gifts. And can I tell you, like, I just love it all, you know? I don't know, maybe not some of you, but I, I love it. I love, you know, this past week, our all of our kids were there and they were here. If you were here this past Christmas Eve, they were here helping us with the music and Kim's dad and loved having the full house, and then all of a sudden they all kind of, like, drift away, you know. And I guess by, um, not last night, Friday night, Kim and I, we had dinner alone in the house, right? And, and it's kind of, like, bittersweet. Some of you know what I mean, you know? It's kind of bittersweet. Like, we're glad to be together, but you also, like, where'd they all go, you know? You know, they went to the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the wife, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so they're all, you know, and, um... So but it is a, it's a great time of year if, if we'll take it that way. And yet we have seen that it's so much more than just all of those things. And we saw at the beginning of the month that that this this time of year, Christmas is a time of mystery. As 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 we unfold the mystery of all that God has done in our lives through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, the word becomes flesh. Right? And God reveals so much to us. We saw that it's a time to receive. Um, the Bible says that those who receive him, that believe in his name, that they become children of God. And it's a, it's a time for us to receive. And last week we saw that this is a time for us um, to respond, to respond to what God is, is doing and has been doing and has done through the giving of his son Jesus and we saw last week, we can be like Herod and angry. You know, there are people out there that are angry. They just want to get rid of anything that has to do with Jesus. We can, we can be like the scribes and Pharisees, and I think there are even many in the church today that just kind of, yeah, well, yeah, Christmas is about Jesus and all that, and Jesus is good, but we just kind of ignore him and put him on the back shelf, and he doesn't really have that much impact on our lives. Or we can be like the wise men who come, who seek after him, and as they come to know him, they worship him giving their hearts to him. I trust that we have a lot of wise men and women here this morning. Amen. 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 And so um and and actually the other night Christmas Eve we saw that it's a time to rejoice as we rejoice over all that God has done in our lives through the giving of his son through the giving of his son Jesus. And finally this morning I want us to see that this time of year it's a time for the spirit it's a time for the spirit. And you'll see what I'm talking about as we move forward. And, and, and so that's our, our theme this morning, a time for the spirit. Um, you know, we've all heard talk about the spirit of Christmas, have we not? Um, and, and usually the phrase has to do with the fact that during the Christmas season, there tends to be an atmosphere of goodwill and 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 cheer, and people tend to be a little bit nicer to each other. We all tend to be a bit more generous um, and, and, and so forth. And you get maybe a few more smiles, not always on the line in the mall or in the midst of the traffic, but you you do. People tend to be a little bit nicer. And of course, though, there are times when we all lose what we call the spirit of Christmas, especially when facing the traffic, when facing the crowds at the mall or the the rush to get everything done. This past um, week, just I guess it was just Monday, so just a couple days before Christmas, I went into CVS, the new CVS over here. I think that's Eatontown at that point. And um, I walked into CVS, and I noticed there was no Christmas music playing. Now, I had been in there, right, during the season, and there had been Christmas music. This time I walked in, there was no Christmas music playing. I'm like, what in the world? We're just a couple days before Christmas. So I get up to the cashier, and I, and I go to pay. And, of course, if you know me, I have to say something. My kids say, Dad, do you always have to say something? Well, sometimes, yes, you know? And so I said to the cashier, I said, wow, what's going on here? There's no Christmas music playing. And she goes to me, let me tell you, I was tired of the Christmas music uh, right, even before they started playing it. And then she said to me, and besides, I got to get home and wrap presents. I'm like, I'm glad she's not giving me any presents this year. And you know, I always have to say something. At that point, I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> except when I was done, well, have a merry, merry Christmas. <laughs> so I found an article that, that, that kind of had some suggestions for getting back into the spirit of Christmas. And if, you, you know, if, if you're here and you're like, oh, I'm just tired of Christmas, so maybe here are some things you can do when you get home. Put on some Christmas music. Watch some old school Christmas cartoons Make some hot chocolate or eggnog. My kids do not like egg- eggnog, so I don't get it anymore. Throw a holiday party. Watch a Christmas movie. The other night, Kim and I watched White Christmas. Haven't seen that in a long time. Read some Christmas classics. Go, go look at some Christmas lights. Decorate your house. Well, now, I guess the decorations are coming down soon. Right. Men, you can plan a romantic holiday-themed date with your wife or girlfriend. Go see a Christmas carol or do a service project to help someone else. And I would say that's all fine and good, but is that really how one captures the spirit of Christmas? And today I want us to see that the real spirit of Christmas is not found in the goodwill and cheer that we feel at this time of the year. The real spirit of Christmas is not found in the nostalgia and warm fuzzies that we get by looking at a beautifully decorated Christmas tree or once again watching It's a Wonderful Life. But rather, the real spirit of Christmas is found in understanding all that God has done for us through the birth of his son and that at the very center of this event that we celebrate is none other than the third person of the trinity the Holy Spirit himself. You see, the real spirit of Christmas is found in opening up our lives to that same Holy Spirit who was key to all that we remember and celebrate during this Christmas season. Thus, we might say this time of year is a good time for the Spirit. It's time for the Spirit, for the Spirit of God to begin to work anew and afresh within our lives. You see, I know at Christmas time we most naturally talk about Jesus the Son and God the Father, and for good reason. But when we talk about the Christmas story, we rarely consider the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And yet, as we read the Christmas story, especially in the book of Luke, Luke, the same author as the book of Acts, we find that the Holy Spirit was very active through it all that the Christmas event came about by means of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was as much a part of the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, into our world as were the Father and the Son. In fact, Luke, in, 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 in the first two chapters of his gospel, do you know he mentions the Holy Spirit six times? Six times. And thus we can rightfully say that Christmas is a time for the Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is the real Spirit of Christmas. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four individuals who are associated with the Christmas story and see how it is, according to Luke's gospel, see how it, how it is, how it was that the Holy Spirit acted in and through their lives. And as we do, I want us to begin to capture how it is the Holy Spirit is able to work in our lives even today In fact, I pray that the real spirit of Christmas will begin to fill us anew as we open up our lives to him. And so look with me in Luke chapter one, beginning at verse number 30, Luke chapter one, verse 30. And here we have the account of Mary as we look at the Holy Spirit and Mary. And we're going to see how it was that the Holy Spirit acted in Mary's life. And so we have the story of the angel coming to Mary. And in Luke chapter 30, it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And so in this chapter, we read of how the angel came to Mary, announced her that she was going to give birth to a son with an exceptional future ahead of him, to say the very least. And Mary, being young and not yet married, still a virgin, she asked the obvious question, how? How is she going to conceive a child? How is all of this going to take place? And notice the angel says it would take place by means of the working of the Holy Spirit. That is, everything the angel had just described would come about by means of the Holy Spirit stepping into Mary's life and doing that which needed to be done. And in verse 35, we have two words or two phrases that are used to describe the work of the Spirit within Mary's life. It's kind of like a two-stage description of something that would take place all at once. The angel says that the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary. He would come upon Mary. The word used here is the same word that's found in Acts 1-8 where Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon an individual such as we see in Luke three twenty two, where at Jesus' baptism, the Bible says heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And I would just pause and say, what a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone in such gentleness and love and resting upon them like a dove. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit always has to come with all the shaking and moving and like Elijah looking for looking for God in the wind and in the earthquake and in the fire. And yet so often he comes in such a gentle way. Listen, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, right, to experience the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't have to be bounced from wall to wall and go rolling down the aisle. But he comes. He comes so often in such a gentle way. It's also a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming upon one's life to enable them to accomplish the work of God, such as we see in the Old Testament. There we read of the Holy Spirit coming on upon Samson and David and Elisha, just to name a few. In each case, the Holy Spirit came with an anointing for the moment and for a task at hand. And the thought is that the miracle of which the angel spoke was going to come about in Mary's life by means of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would descend upon her, rest upon her, and would bring the anointing of God upon her life. But secondly, not only does the angel say the Holy Spirit would come upon her, but, that, but as well that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. And this is, is another word that's used throughout Scripture. It's used with reference to the cloud that covered or that settled upon the tabernacle in the Old Testament it's used in the story of the transfiguration where Jesus goes up onto the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and there we read of the cloud that descended and enveloped them. It surrounded them. It covered them. It cast its shadow upon them. It's used in Acts 5.15 where we read that people were bringing the sick into the streets, and it says there so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they pass by or literally that peter's shadow might overshadow them might overshadow them this past week i was walking it was late in the afternoon i was walking on the beach with sadie my new dog and unfortunately i'm going to reference her again in our message this morning and my kids say dad you ran out of sermon illustration so you went and got a dog We're walking on the beach, and because it's late in the afternoon, right, right, the sun is getting a little bit lower, and you know that if you've been to Long Branch recently, they're building all these big buildings right along the boardwalk. And so now, as we're walking along in the sun and so forth, suddenly we find ourselves walking in the midst of the shadow. The sun's going down, and here's the building. And big like 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 as long as this church is a long shadow we find ourselves walking of course it felt a little cooler you know i wanted to get back into the sun but that's kind of the picture that we have here with 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 this word that's being used um having a shadow that's cast over The word gives that kind of picture. And thus the angel tells Mary that she will be completely covered by, surrounded by, enveloped by the Holy Spirit like a cloud, like a shadow that was being cast upon her. And in this case, guess what? It was God's shadow. Can you imagine having God's shadow cast upon you? In the end, it would be as the Holy Spirit descended upon Mary, anointed her, and overshadowed her, that the power of God would work in her life to bring about the supernatural, a supernatural gift of life. Just as in Genesis 1, during the creation of our world, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. So now God's creative work will be done as the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary. We could say, once again, God's creative work bringing forth life. Aren't you glad we serve a God who knows how to bring forth life where there's darkness and death? And how we need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in much the same way as he did in Mary's life. For when the Holy Spirit comes on us, when the Holy Spirit overshadows us, we begin to experience the power of God to bring about the impossible, to experience the creative work of God to do, to do what, what otherwise could not be done in and through our lives. You know, according to Jesus' words in John 3, it's the Holy Spirit that brings about the life of God within us that we might be born again. We're born of the flesh, and we're born of the Spirit. It's only by means of the Holy Spirit that we can experience the life of God at work within us that we might know the abundant life that Jesus speaks about and the eternal life that he promises, his life working in us and through us. And today, if you find yourself in a place of death, you find yourself in a place of darkness, I would say open up your life to the Holy Spirit of God. Let him begin to work in your life to create life within you, life beyond what you can know from 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 this world or that which you can obtain for yourself. And later on, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, it's by his same spirit that we experience the anointing of God upon our lives, that we might live the way God has called us to live and accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish, that we might even see supernatural things take place through our lives. But if that's going to happen, we need the anointing of God upon us. Amen, church? The anointing of God. And so I pray, I pray that we would know what it means to have the Holy Spirit come upon us to anoint us and overshadow us, even as Mary did, that the life of God would be birthed in us and birthed through us. But secondly, go with me to a little bit later on in the chapter, Luke chapter 1, verses 41 through 45 as we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and Elizabeth and Zechariah. And here in, in this portion of Scripture, we have um, Mary going down. Now she's pregnant. She knows she's pregnant. She's going down to her cousin, who's a bit older, Elizabeth, who actually is the mother of John the Baptist. And that, that was a miracle as well, that at her age and Zechariah's age, that they would conceive a child, but, but she has within her womb John the Baptist. And in verse 41, it says this, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And I want us to note that Elizabeth said all of that before Mary said a word to her. And then we go to verse 64. And we read about Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. And Zechariah was told it when he was in the temple there doing his priestly duties. He was told that Elizabeth would would, would conceive a child, and Zechariah was like saying, "Hey, this is kind of hard to believe." From that point on, God like made him mute. Until we get to the point where the baby's born, and they want to name the baby after his father Zechariah, and he said, and. His mother says, verse 6, you know he's to be called John, right? And then they look to Zechariah and say, well, what do you want? And Zechariah writes on a tablet, his name is to be John. And verse 64 says, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And he goes on. Notice that we're told that the Holy Spirit filled Elizabeth and Zechariah that word filled it means to make complete to fill completely it's used that word is used in Luke 2 6 the NIV says the time came for the baby to be born or the King James says the days were accomplished or literally the time was made complete or filled up right later on Paul writes in the fullness of time Luke uses the word, this phrase, in conjunction with the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Acts 2.4, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the thought is here, not just a little bit, not a quarter, not a half, but full, completely filled. And we might say that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had their own Pentecost. Before the day of Pentecost, they had their own Pentecost as the Holy Spirit filled them. And as he did, he gave them the ability to speak or the ability to prophesy. For as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, we might say that, first of all, they saw what God saw. Elizabeth could look at Mary and and speak a word, seeing what was happening in Mary's womb, even before Mary said a word to her. She saw from a divine perspective Zechariah, he saw what was happening, and he spoke a word of prophecy. They each saw what God saw, this baby who would be Messiah, this son who would be the Elijah of his day, and then they spoke a word from God, a supernatural, spirit-led word from God. And let me tell us this morning that that's exactly what prophecy is. It's having spiritual understanding and spiritual insight and then the ability to speak it on behalf of God, to speak a word from God himself. And I would say this morning that we too today, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. That we too, like Elizabeth and Zechariah, we too need to be filled with the Spirit of God. For how many of us know that we too need discernment? discernment that only the Spirit can bring, that we might see and understand our lives and our world and the situations around us from a spiritual perspective. It's so easy for us to fall into, into just, just human ways of thinking. And we make our judgments and we post on Facebook and we, you know, we, we, we kind of shout out this and we shout out that. And it's all because we have this human perspective on what's happening and what we think should be. I think we need to begin praying, God, give us discernment. God, give us spiritual insight into what you're doing. I've said it many times, you know, like, like, like our world is in turmoil and kind of upside down with all the, the, all the movements of people around the world. And, you know, you go to Europe, and a lot of the European countries, unlike the U.S., they were so homogeneous for so many years, and suddenly they're being flooded by all these immigrants. They don't know what to do. But you know what the Bible says? That it's God who moves the peoples of the world that he's the one who orchestrates it all. And sometimes we need to say, God, give me spiritual insight. Give me spiritual understanding as to what's happening in my life, in those around me, in the situations I find myself, in my world. And then the ability to proclaim a word from God, to speak what God says, to proclaim the good news, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't have to be something that just comes spur of the moment. Sometimes it's just seeing the situations of our lives, of our world, and being able to apply his word in a way that brings understanding. And in fact, Jesus shows us that if we're to effectively proclaim the gospel then we need to be filled with the Spirit. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, listen, you go to Jerusalem, you wait there before you do anything else. You wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to fill you. And once that happens, he's going to give you the power, the ability to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I pray that we would know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even as Elizabeth and Zechariah were filled. Finally this morning, would you go with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 25, as we look at the Holy Spirit and Simeon. The Holy Spirit and, and Simeon. And um, it's, it says there, beginning at verse 25, and what's happened here is it's the eighth day, and Mary and Joseph are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple to dedicate him and to... and to to have him circumcised. And it says, verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Notice a revelation just like we spoke about. In verse 27, and moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Notice that Simeon, the Bible says, was moved by the Spirit. There's not a lot that we know about this man except that he was a man of God who had apparently received some sort of revelation from God and who had been living his life under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Notice again, the Holy Spirit was upon him as we just talked about with Mary and and. and, And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, just like we had spoke about with Elizabeth and Zechariah. But now in this passage, we read of Simeon being moved by the Spirit, literally to be brought or to be led. To be brought or to be led. In other words, Simeon was brought by the Holy Spirit into the temple courts that that day he might see the baby. And I was thinking about my dog Sadie. I know you're like looking at me. You're like, Pastor, come on, you know? So we're trying to, I'm trying to teach Sadie to be really good on the leash. Anybody know about loose leash walking, you know? And so, so we're walking, and she's doing pretty well, and I'll say, Sadie, this way, and she goes this way, and Sadie, let's go that way, and she goes that way. If she starts going to the right, I'm like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, and she goes back to the left, you know, and I want her to walk on my left side. But every so often... Every so often she wants to do her own thing and suddenly he's like, nah, you know, and it's like, oh, there's some smell there. Oh, there's some scent over there, you know. Oh, the deer must have been here, and you know, and she's pulling and she wants to do her own thing, and I'm like, no, 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 Sadie, this way. And I thought about I thought about how often the Holy Spirit is leading us and is guiding us in the way we ought to go. And we're like, no, but I want to go this way. You know what I mean, church? I want to go that way. I think it's better over there. I think it's better over here. Right? And we have in our minds where we should go. And we end up fighting against the spirit of God. Simeon, that day, Simeon, I don't know. I think like like maybe he got up and he had his own plans for the day. Well, first I'm going to go shopping. And first I'm going to like, you know, clean the house or Go down and visit with some friends. You know, first I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And somehow in his heart, he began to feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit kind of tugging on the leash, saying, come on, come on, Simeon, this way, this way. And imagine what Simeon would have lost out on if the Holy Spirit had been prompting him and kind of pulling him to come this way. And he said, no, but I'm going to go that way. I got my agenda for the day. I got my plans. Imagine what Simeon would have missed that day. You see, the Holy Spirit led or moved Simeon and as he did, he, he brought him, he led him into the promise of God for his life. For It was the Holy Spirit that had told Simeon that he would one day see for himself the promised Messiah. And now it was God's spirit that literally led him into the fulfillment of that promise. I wonder how many times God wants to fulfill his promises in our lives, but we're fighting against the leading of the Holy Spirit. We keep on insisting on wanting to do things our way but not only the promise of God, but it was the blessing of God for Simeon's life. Listen, I don't know why it was or how it was that that God had made such a promise to Simeon, but what we do know was that this was God's way to honor Simeon and to bless him for his life of righteousness. And so that day, the Holy Spirit begins to tug at his heart and lead him into the greatest blessing that he ever could have known in his life, such that that day as he sees the baby, he says, he says, God, you can take me home now. Like this is the climax of my life. This is the very, very best thing that ever could have happened in my life. But imagine, imagine if that day the Holy Spirit begins tugging at Simeon saying, come on, Simeon, come this way. He said, no, but I got to go this way. No, no, come on, Simeon, come on, come on, there's something good over here. I have a blessing. No, but I got my own stuff to do. Imagine the blessing that Simeon would have missed out on. How many times do we miss out on the blessings of God because we just want to do things our way. We want to do our own thing. We're pulling, we're, you know, the Holy Spirit's pulling us. He's got the leash around us, maybe we could say. And, and instead of willfully and willingly following the leading of the Holy Spirit and trusting God with our lives, we decide we're going to take life into our own hands. And we miss out on the blessings that God has for us. As in the Apostle Paul, he wrote of, quote, those who are led by the Spirit of God. Let me ask, are you being led by the Spirit of God? Elsewhere, he says, since we live by the Spirit, or since we've been given life by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. You may have heard me say it before, but it's almost like playing follow the leader with the Holy Spirit, where he goes, I'm going to go. What he does, I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to direct my life. And listen, yeah, it, I'm using the picture of the leash on the dog. But listen, when, when Sadie, when she comes willfully with me and the, and the leash is loose, listen, we have a great time together and we get home and I bless her with all kinds of stuff. I'll say to her as we're walking, Sadie, I promise you when we get home, I'm going to feed you and I'm not only going to feed you, but I got a nice big bone for you. And and she comes willfully, and we're we're just having a great time. But when she starts fighting and she wants to do her own thing, man, there's a chance she's going to miss out on some good stuff. Church, I wonder how many times we're missing out on the good stuff that God wants to give. Not because he's, he's mean and he's punishing us, but it's just that like as we follow him, we just naturally, we naturally begin to receive the promises that he's made to us and, and the blessings that he has for our lives. And I know that can be hard. Sometimes that means putting aside our own agenda or our own long-term plans. Listen, I had my plans. I had my own long-term agenda, what I thought I was going to do with my life. And one day, you know, it was like God was, like, speaking to me, and the Holy Spirit was prompting me, well, not just one day, but over a period of time, and just feeling the tug of the Spirit of God and realizing, you know what, God's asking me to go in a different direction. And I know that some of us here, God has, has, has been doing the same thing in your life. At times it might mean going against what seems reasonable at the time or what's most pragmatic. And sometimes it means just stepping out in faith. But when we know that the Holy Spirit is the one leading us, we can trust him to lead us into the good things that God has for our lives. And I pray that like Simeon, we would know, that the whole, we would know what it means to have the Holy Spirit moving us, leading us, guiding us, directing us through our lives. Kim, if you come, please. We might say this morning that the Christmas story, it's, it's kind of a Pentecostal story, isn't it? It's kind of a Pentecostal story. For, through it, we're, we're reminded not only of the gift of salvation that we've received through the coming of Jesus Christ, but we're also reminded of the work of the Holy Spirit through that plan of salvation. And we're reminded of our great need for his work in our lives so that each one of us can experience the promises of God, the blessings of God. But you see, the very same Holy Spirit that was at work in Mary's life, in Elizabeth and Zechariah's life, in, in Simeon's life, he's at work in our lives today. And we need him to work in our lives. We need him to work in our lives. I would say we need the Holy Spirit. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit to descend upon us We need the Holy Spirit to rest upon us, to anoint us and to overshadow us and that we might experience the life of God, the creative power of God at work within our lives. And again, I say to you this morning, if you're feeling that there's something dark and dead in your heart, in your mind, in your life, then I would just encourage you to reach out in faith to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And to just open up your life to the work of the holy spirit today ask him to come upon you to begin to overshadow you and to do a miracle of life within you but we need the holy spirit to fill us not just a little bit and as the apostle paul says later on that we would continually keep on keep on being filled with the spirit that we might see our lives and our world from God's perspective, and have the ability to speak a word from God that we might be witnesses for Christ, proclaiming the gospel and speaking a word from God into the situations around us. We need the Holy Spirit, do we not, to be the one to move us and to lead us that we might experience all the promises and the blessings that God has for us? And so I want to encourage us this morning here in the midst of this. Christmas season, that we would pray today for a fresh touch of God's spirit upon our lives, that we would open up our lives to him. Let's ask him today. Come on, church. Let's ask him to anoint us. Amen. Let's ask him to overshadow us, to fill us, to move us, to lead us, that we might know his full work within our lives. Say, this is the time. This is the hour. This is the moment for us to begin to understand and to receive the fullness of God's spirit. Because after all, church, he's the real spirit of Christmas. Amen. And so we open up our lives to him. We open up our lives to him today. Come on, will you stand with me? Worship team, would you join us? And here's what I just want us to do this morning. I'm not going to do a long, drawn-out altar call today, right? But simply, I'm just going to say this. As Kim begins to lead us in that song, Come, Holy Spirit, fill me, Spirit of God. I need you, Spirit of God. As she begins to lead us in that song, that, that, that many of us would come this morning just as a church body, and that we come and stand here at this altar, and we would say that in this season, and as we move into this new year, we want to know the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. We want to know that we're living in the shadow of God's spirit. We want to know that the Holy Spirit is filling us and that it will be the Holy Spirit that's going to be the one who's going to lead us and guide us and move us as he sees fit. And so we come this morning saying, come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit, even now, even now.